It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. And this is Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber, along with Jim Cramer. Carl Quintanilla has the morning off. We are looking for a higher open a half hour from now when markets begin to trade. You can see that in the futures boards right there, of course. There it is, a significant rally, perhaps, uh, at the open. Why? Well, retail sales came in better than expected. There's a steroid being used in the U.K. that apparently is having a positive impact on very sick COVID patients. And, of course, Jim, we have that announcement from the Fed yesterday that today they will begin in buying individual corporate bonds, not just the ETFs that hold those bonds, but the actual bonds themselves. That certainly helped as well. What's your take this morning? Well, look, I, I think that that each one of these can be debunked. Uh, I took this dexamethasone for uh, two months. I, I was OK. I, I switched to prednisone. Everybody who's ever had any swelling has probably had a shot of this. And then suddenly we discovered that this was the big breakthrough. What were these doctors doing? I mean, did all the doctors really get it wrong? Did they realize that it was not swelling around the body and then just focused on the lungs? This drug does nothing for the lungs. So it's like, okay, idiots that we paid you. I mean, honestly, I love the doctors. They're great. But I mean, come on. I mean, how did they not? How did they miss this? And then, uh, you know, look, David, the, the, the gunners all want the, these stocks to go higher. Right. And, and the Fed is buying bonds yeah. that we would normally say. I mean, maybe the Fed buys Hertz bonds and, and, and takes them up to the point where, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe Hertz is good. I don't know, David. There's a lot of people going to say it's all phony. The problem with it saying it's all phony is if you decide to cash out right now, you did much better than you yesterday. So take some dexamethasone, which, by the way, has very few side effects, and uh, go sell some stocks. Yeah. I can't believe I was yeah, on this way, drug. dexamethasone. It, it, um, well, you were, but I mean, in reading, in reading about the study itself, you know, 2,000 people who uh, received uh, the drug were compared with nearly 4,000 who didn't. And I mean, to put it in perspective, if you were on a ventilator, it cut your death risk from 40 to 28 percent. That's significant. No doubt about it. Yes. Uh, And as well, if you needed oxygen, it cut your death risk from 25 to 20 percent. But again, it was for severely ill patients to begin with. David, they were obviously treating the Uh, wrong thing. They were treating the lungs. Yes. This is a drug that's given for swelling. I took it for swelling. If you were unlucky enough to have gotten COVID early on, you were not potentially treated the way you would be now, Jim, I think. Is and a that's key really point. the so issue, So we can at least hope that the death rate, even though we're seeing a surge in cases in certain places, we can hope that the death rate will be far less because the doctors have a better idea of how to treat this. Well, they were, tra- well, they were treated with hydro- hydroxychloroquine. It's a really dangerous drug. You wouldn't take that drug unless you had lupus. This drug, David, I can prescribe this drug. I think I have the, you know, like people can like learn and officiate and marry people. I, I think I could take yeah. like an hour and a half course and I could prescribe this to you. I can't, I bet you sure, the doctors are I mean, mortified. Like if we had like a panel of five doctors who would tell the truth, they would say, holy cow, I've been treating this for long. I didn't know it was right. like for when knees, <laughs> knees are swollen. And that moves the market up yeah. 900. And don't forget, in the Fed's bond, what's I the know. Fed bond well, it did? I mean, it's. It's right. It's everything else you mentioned. Of course, you, you kidded about them potentially buying uh, Hertz bonds, Jim. You know, maybe but the fact is Powell keeps saying it and the market believes it. Right. I mean, I don't well, know Black how much Rock's they'll actually buy. It. Right. But isn't the point of it also just to say, hey, we're still here. We're still here. We're still here. We're well, going to be here. We we're not going anywhere. 
Why can't we let Davy Dave trade with Davy Dave, Dave, Dave take up Carnival and then we issue some bonds for Carnival and move up the Royal Caribbean? That should be going up. I mean, now, does it matter, David, that they're, that they're cruising? Does that matter? I mean, as a fundamental I, guy. I don't know. You don't think it matters that a cruise ship's not cruising? I no, think oh, it's the, I know. I do think it matters that they're not cruising. Yes, I do. I then believe why, you want you? the business that you're buying to be operating, typically. Well, that's your problem. That's your problem. You've mm. had a way. You've, yeah. done, you've learned a particular way to think, like Warren Buffett, who's way past his time. Right. We learned that. And you're a killjoy. Yeah. And I'm going to attack you on Twitter <laughs> as being someone who doesn't get with the program. I know, man. If I had your Twitter feed and all the criticism you get, I really I would yeah, just this walk morning away I decided entirely. to put up a picture um, of a bee and my dog, my dog <laughs> Nvidia, or, or, and or I take, was downgraded right, by Nvidia, Morgan Stanley. Unhappy today, unhappy with that Morgan Stanley downgrade. Jim, we want to get to a lot of other things. Yes, talk, let's get rolling. Talking but a, a I just want to debunk the, 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 the this drug, dexamethasone, should have been the first thing they tried after aspirin. All right, let's go. Okay. Well, let's go. you know, let's get a little more from let's get a little more from Meg Terrell on it yes! because we know if anybody's got insight on these things, it's Meg. Uh, I want to bring her in now. Just get some more on this study at Oxford, Meg, that took place, and how significant this may or may not be. Hi, David. Well, clearly a lot of excitement about these results this morning. This was a large trial that enrolled about 11,000 people across the UK, a trial called the Recovery Trial, and it evaluated a bunch of different treatments, including HIV drugs, obviously low-dose dexamethasone. Um, It also had enrolled hydroxychloroquine, which they'd stopped after um, seeing the results not working there. So it was looking at a bunch of different drugs, but they'd enrolled about 6,000 people in two arms looking specifically at this steroid dexamethasone. uh, And they found essentially at this point, they had enough data to show this was a major benefit. Uh, They showed that it reduced deaths by a third in patients who were on ventilators and by a fifth on patients just receiving some oxygen, but who weren't ventilated. They didn't see benefit in patients who didn't require respiratory support. So this is for very severe patients. Uh, The uh, lead investigator at Oxford saying of the trial, quote, dexamethasone is the first drug to be shown to improve survival in COVID-19. The survival benefit is clear and large in those patients who are sick enough to require oxygen treatment. So dexamethasone should now become standard of care in these patients. The drug, he says, is inexpensive, on the shelf, and can be used immediately to save lives worldwide. Uh, Now, Jim was talking about why this wasn't used earlier. And Dr. Scott Gottlieb on Squawk Box this morning was just talking about how at the beginning, uh, the CDC, NIH, WHO, they all thought that steroids would be potentially harmful to give to patients uh, who are in the severe uh, stages of COVID-19. And there's actually recommendations not to use steroids. So it just shows the evolving nature uh, of science's understanding of this disease. And as you pointed out, David, people who got the disease back in March are in, were in quite a different situation situation than people who get the disease now. All right. So, Meg, um, I'm on a I'm on five prednisone uh, every day for uh, because I have a migraine on those. Hey, national spokesman for migraines. Um, and uh, the reason why they didn't jack me up to higher level is because the doctors were quite aware that I would end up having to take steroids if I got COVID because they said that steroids really work. And uh, they don't want to ruin my, uh, you know, they don't want me to make it so that um, I've overused steroids. So who the hell were these doctors? I mean, if I was not, if I was taken off the dexamethasone because one day 
uh, they feared that I would have to take it to get rid of this. What were these doctors doing? Why were they using incredibly invasive drugs when there was a whole other part of the medical community that knew that the steroids worked and didn't want you to to jacked up steroids because you had a problem unrelated. I don't understand how doctors don't talk to each other. Yeah, I, I think it's the problem of uh, the early days of a pandemic where it's really the Wild West in terms of trying to figure out what works. And that's why these large studies that are rigorously done are so important. Because, of course, we know hydroxychloroquine was used widely at the beginning, too, on suggestions that it might work. And, of course, the FDA yesterday just revoked its emergency use authorization, saying not only does it not have a benefit and the potential harms outweigh any potential benefit, but it also <laughs> makes the only drug approved for COVID-19 also not work as well, remdesivir. Uh, so this, these right. trials are incredibly important. Those are incredibly uh, dangerous drugs. This hydroxychloroquine was so dangerous and our president was recommending it. I mean, every, anybody, know, you take this, this prednisone-like derivative if you have swelling. They were treating the wrong part of your body. They were treating your lungs. <sighs> I should have gone to med school. Instead, I went that small oh, place. What did I get out of that? Except oh, for my God. Big tuition. Nobody wants you as their doctor. I'm sorry. Nobody. Nobody. Yeah. Um, You're crazy. Yeah. There. Here. Yeah. Take some. Uh, Meg, take some lament. Meg. <laughs> Meg. Uh, the oral antivirals, I think, are something that we continue to focus on closely here and waiting for if they are successful as they move into trials, of course, that can be used earlier in onset. Meg, thanks for the update. Uh, I'm sure we'll see you a bit later as well. Meg Terrell, uh, all over all therapies related to uh, COVID-19. All right, Dr. Kramer, come yes. back to you and talk to you about the, uh, the market a bit. Retail sales for May up 17.7%. Of course, like so many other things, best gain we've seen since I think 67, 1967. April down almost 15%. How do I put this in perspective uh, and how should it be judged by the market? Well, I think that this is going to be viewed as the V recovery. I think that when you open all the stores, uh, people shop. I think when you shut all the stores, which is obviously now considered to be one of the great mistakes that's been done with the economy, it's a multiple trillion dollar mistake, uh, then you uh, would have smoothed all this thing out. Uh, I believe that people uh, that it's, look, if we had used masks, we social distance, this would never have happened. Uh, instead, we wiped out a lot of people. A lot of, not a lot of uh, stores got to this promised land. Many of them own rent, but oh, oh rent. But uh, yeah. I, I think that this is a sign that things are coming back, just coming back. Yeah. And it, it's right. a very good number. I know Secretary Mnuchin could call and say it's a very good number, and we'd have to agree with him. It is. People it shop. Is a, it is a good number. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah. Will, you, uh, know, you, want to, you want to say that when the unemployment benefits go away, uh, the extra 600 and the 1,200 stops, then maybe September's bad. But by that point, we have something that could really help us uh, with this illness to make it so that we get out of the hospital. And uh, it is, I'm not saying things are over, but I am saying that, that the reaction is, is that people should buy stocks. And there's a lot of people who are left who have not been in the market. There are a lot of people who are on the island with Ray Dalio. And, and that's not like the CBS, the island. They're on the island. No, I understand. Well, those right. guys, the they're, rich guys scared you out, David. They well, scared they're, you. They're on, they're on Pandemic Island. Yeah, they're, they're on, on their Pandemic, pandemic Island. island. Um, yeah. Um, Jay Powell's not on that island, though. No, Jay, Jay Powell's is buying not on bonds that island. Yeah. Actually, remember, he gives it to By Black the way, Rock. 
Let me. Yeah. I'm just. I mean, you got to buy those bonds, are- but you want to. You know, you want to get through everything, including asset-based financing. So much of that is underwater, which gets back to retail, by the way, Jim. Which gets back to how many retailers are actually paying their rent, um, which we, we can talk hit about. When we come back. We got to hit it all. Yeah, I'm, we're we gonna hit, hit everything. All. I'm uh, not worried. We solved the. Uh, no, I'm not worried either. In the first ten minutes. <laughs> how many it's people true. died because if they you've didn't gone to medical school. Because they thought it was. They, I wonder what kind they, of. They, you know, they didn't know it was fast. Your bedside manner would be really interesting. Swelling. You just scare the heck out of all your patients. You'd scare them into life, I guess. I don't well, know. Well, I took the drug. Didn't work for me. But it worked for maybe $200,000. Um, well, thankfully, you're healthy. That's you. what we can all be thankful for. Uh, all right, we got to take a break. We'll be back, obviously, covering these markets. Big rally in store, at least, when we start uh, trading 18 minutes from now. Uh, a lot more squawk in the street coming right back. Let's get to Rick Santelli for those industrial production numbers. Rick. Thank you, David. Well, we have half of it out. I see industrial production. Uh, I don't see capacity utilization quite yet. But here's what's interesting. You know, everything's coming out now. This is one of the oldest numbers we look at, industrial production. It goes back to 1919. And the biggest drop we ever had was the new revision from a minus 11.2 last month to minus 12.5. Never been worse than that. But this month reversed that up 1.4%. And it actually is about half what we were expecting, unlike retail sales, which was off the charts. And on utilization rates, we moved from a slightly revised 64% to 64.8. And 64% is the all-time low utilization rate. But unfortunately, it doesn't go back to 1919. That part of the number only goes back to 1967. Now, let's get to the markets. You know, if before our time zone, before we saw the great retail sales data, we saw the DAX, the CACs, uh, boon deals, everything stacked up. And I'll show you what I mean. Here's an intraday chart of tens. It reflects the retail sales and some of the strength we're seeing in pre-opening equities. So look what happens when you put two days in a row. Yesterday's session and today's are stacked, meaning today's low yield is higher than yesterday's high yield. It's the same way it was in Boone's. It's the same way it was with many stock markets around the world. Their lows today were higher than their highs yesterday. And that is a powerful dynamic that really gave us a good uh, headwind coming in, a tailwind, sorry, coming in. And when retail sales hit, you could see that yields popped over three quarters of one percent. And even though we've been up here before, it really did reverse what looked like we we're going to retest into the low 60s over the last several days, especially when we had those big down days in equities last week. Finally, the dollar index. Most of the time, the dollar index thrives more lately when there's more nervousness and tension and agit in the world. So you look at the two day chart and granted uh, it's coming back a bit, but it definitely drifted from yesterday. And do remember that today's lows right around 96.40 represent another retest of unchanged on the year, which we have been toying with over the last several weeks. Jim, David, back to you. Okay, Rick, thank you. Rick Santelli. We'll get ready for an opening bell now, about 13 minutes from now. We'll also squeeze in a mad dash with Jim, but let's take a quick break. Again, as Rick just referred to, of course, we are looking for a far higher open this morning on those Fed actions, on the retail sales, on the hopes for treatments for COVID-19 We'll also talk about this possibility of infrastructure spending when we come back. All right, time for a mad dash on this Tuesday. Caterpillar is the name. It looks like it is going to be higher in the uh, in the uh, early market going. Yeah, you're, you're familiar with Pavlov. I think he works at Morgan Stanley or is he J.P. Morgan? I forget. Pavlov says that uh, you buy cat when you have infrastructure talk. And here it goes. 
and people buy cat. It doesn't matter that without the infrastructure, you might want to sell cat. Uh, infrastructure means you buy uh, Caterpillar because they've got the equipment. It puts a lot of people to work, and it's kind of a no-brainer. Now, I think that the House wants to, remember, wants to do $3 trillion. president wants to do a trillion. It, we've always felt that there would be a meeting of the minds with infrastructure. Uh, and the only way that people really feel confident, instead of buying uh, Vulcan materials, which is something I might buy, or uh, MLM, uh, they buy CAT. And CAT is uh, right. really levered a lot to oil and gas and levered secondarily to China. But people just love it. They can't resist, David. So that's what they're buying, and uh, that's what they're taking up. And again, Pavlov, I, I probably people have been Google Pavlov. You know, it is uh, institutional investor vote time. He'll now probably get three or four yep. votes. Um, now, they hear infrastructure, but I guess they aren't listening to Eamon Javers uh, or reading his tweets where he says the chances of a major bill happening before the election are marginally above zero. Right. Uh, no, GOP deficit hawks are starting to worry about spending. Yeah, and you'll see more of that later today. House Dems won't want to do it now since they think they're getting a President Biden in January. Again, right. I'm quoting from Eamon who uh, we could easily have had on TV telling us that, Jim. What's your take? Uh, you, uh, I think Caterpillar is, an, is not an expensive stock, but it's levered oil and gas. And if you think oil and gas is going higher, then you probably should buy some Caterpillar. But it, it does the idea that you um, buy stocks on infrastructure has, has befuddled people uh, even when uh, President Obama had an infrastructure bill. It just doesn't work. I mean, it's no reason to buy any stock other than maybe uh, Vulcan Materials, which is... Uh, makes aggregates uh, because they, they end up giving money to different roads, ro- uh, states then build roads. Uh, so it's silly. But, David, it's the silly season. Look at the green, David. Don't forget Norwegian the Cruise green. Line. We- They're taking that one up today. <laughs> Remember uh, in, Tokyo in, in Tokyo in 1988, they said, we're taking up Tokyo Electron tonight. Better get long. <laughs> That's what they're doing now. What's the highest? They're doing what was that the high now. in the UK and when was that? Have they ever they've never reached that that high, right? From the late no. 80s, have they? Maybe no. I'm wrong. No. I don't, but I don't think so. Wasn't it 45? Yeah. Uh, no. I'll keep an eye on Hertz when you talk about, you know, I names said that are it taken up. zero last night. Old Hertz. That means it's probably going to yeah. go to five, right? It could. It could be a double. All don't, right. We got a lot more uh, stocks to uh, to talk about um, before we get to an opening bell eight minutes from now. As you see, we are anticipating a far higher open when we get started with trading seven minutes from now. Welcome back to Squawk on the Street. We're getting ready for an opening bell five minutes from now. You are joining David Faber and Jim Cramer. We are live from separate locations. Jim, of course, one of these days we won't be any longer. Um, What is to bring up an old memory, the key to this market for you today. And to bring back another old memory, it's Apple. Uh, We've got some comments on Apple today that are just downright extraordinary because, again, they are a little bit like the purloin letter. They're right in your face. But uh, Jim Suva, City, uh, upcoming 5G, current expectations reset lower, potential for share gain, uh, wearables for Apple, uh, uh, Apple services, and, oh, by the way, Apple Wedbush also comes up with a uh, 5G. And Apple can, uh, it can become the leader that it used to be. Uh, I don't find any of those uh, as being, uh, I think they're, uh, nothing's a no-brainer in business, but a lot of those were predictable. And yet, here we go. Uh, the expectations were low. A lot of people got off the horse in that last dip. 
uh, 5G does await us, and it looks like there could be a lot of share take. And the services, the service revenues last night, they came out with a you know, half a trillion dollar uh, business that was service revenue uh, and uh, right. Apple apps. And that was last year. It's going to be much bigger this year. I think that the Apple uh, I think Apple Pay is going to be gigantic because we like contactless pay. So that's the leader, David. That's the key to this market. Um, all right. And, you know, specific to that, there is news as well, as you know, Jim, um, the European Commission has decided to open an investigation into Apple's app store rules. It really seems to be specific to Apple Music. Right. Spotify, of course, involved here, and they're going to be having a conference call with their legal officer. But they're certainly being outspoken here in terms of of whether Apple has been anti competitive in its behavior. Any impact there? No, I don't think so. Uh, I think the president's people would regard it as a shakedown. Uh, I think that Apple's very, very powerful. And Lee Cooperman yesterday said some great things. He said that one of the uh, that the problem with Fang is that they're all so powerful that governments are going to uh, gang up on them. So there you are. It's government intrusion. Uh, I also thought to think that what Lee said that was really disheartening was he said there are 13 million uh, new traders that have come in. And it's going to end with tears that they're not going to be able to be taught uh, how to invest. And you could argue that maybe there's no such thing as teaching. But when you look at Apple and you look at how cheap it was, uh, you really have to say, what were we thinking? How did we not know that it was a razor, razor blade model, which is what it really has become? You know, speaking of those people, so to speak, who are new to uh, to trading uh, and who we welcome, of course, um, we've talked a lot about seemingly bankrupt or actual bankrupt companies that have a large equity value as a result of speculative trading, which, by the way, we've seen across the board and mm-hmm. uh, is being also engaged in by institutions as well. We've used Hertz as sort of the poster child for that. But Chesapeake, a company you know well, also uh, getting very close there. Uh, yes. Jim. What's interesting is, is that Chesapeake does have some assets. It's kind of like a hurt situation. There's some good parts of Chesapeake. Uh, the Chesapeake obviously couldn't get the funding it needed. It's not really going to impact uh, any of the companies. It, it's not like like it was such a big uh, part of any particular pipelines business that it's going to hurt the pipelines further than they've than they've been. Uh, but there are people who want to buy Chesapeake thinking it's got those assets and those probably don't belong. Uh, there's so much debt there, David. It probably doesn't want the common stock people. Yeah. Uh, well, well, that's another name that we'll keep an eye on. Again, the, the market value, very small, but a likely uh, bankruptcy. As you hear the opening bells there um, and taking a look at the big boards, CNBC celebrating. That's us. It's Disruptor 50 list. Yeah. Those are private companies whose innovations are revolutionizing their industries and the way we live. Thank you for that, NYSE. Uh, and over at the Nasdaq, Royalty Farmer. We're going to be speaking to the CEO shortly. That is right. an IPO, a very large one, by the way. And I know, Jim, uh, you and I are going to be speaking to the, the company's CEO uh, shortly as well. After what appears to be a pretty successful offering. Yeah, yeah. real company. Yeah. Has good yield. Very successful. Uh, GA is uh, one of the people behind it. And G, uh, the General Atlantic tend to be some very successful deals. So, We'll talk about that. And it's uh, and by the way, the disruptor list, they had a Collison one from uh, Stripe in the for in Squawk. Thirty billion dollar valuation for. Yes, David, payment processing. Now, I don't like the payment processing that you see go up every day in Square in PayPal, except for it's behind the scenes. You don't see Stripe. So uh, very good list as always. Yep. 
Jim, with the S&P up 2.7% here in the first moments of trading, we've got a market that's down only 2.5%. When I say market, I mean the S&P again. Of course, the NASDAQ is up almost 11% for this year. But the S&P down about 2.5%. After a significant fall last week, we have clawed our way back, not to even where we almost were on the year, but not far away. Right. And it is interesting that during this period, what did really happen? Well, the, the rich got richer. The big companies did well. The non-essential companies got squeezed. Uh, and it is remarkable that we shut this economy down. It's pretty obvious that, uh, yes, it, it did save lives. But uh, what we did was the companies that are left that, that trade uh, are the companies that triumphed. And the big companies did better. Uh, I think that it's somewhat painful for those who are hoping that we would become a more, uh, let's say, uh, a, a society that was more equal. Uh, but, wow, I mean, the big companies made it. Uh, I think a lot of companies are going to yeah. go under, David. Uh, you know, and this gets to that point that we've been making uh, over the last few weeks of the disparity between the stock market and the real economy. Incredible. Because you and I can have conversations during the course of a day that lead you to believe things are not particularly good, that the unemployment rate yeah. will remain high as, we, as this year goes on and into next year, that corporate earnings will be nowhere near the levels in 2021 that they were in 2019. And yet here we are with a market that is up dramatically today uh, and again, down, barely down really for the year. It is incredible. You look at McDonald's. I have them on tonight. You know, they, they're going to have half mm-hmm. the tables because of uh, COVID. Half the tables. Well, stock's up $1.83. They had numbers that were, the cadence was better. Uh, It is almost as if it was a bad dream. And yet we know that that shutting down parts of the economy did save a lot of lives. Uh, I bet you that that, uh, a huge number of McDonald's competitors went under because they did not have four months of rent. And it just worked out really well for these companies. It's not what you wanted if you're a small business person. Uh, They they sure did try. The government did everything they could. Uh, And maybe some of these companies can pay the lease. So as an investor, do you have to just carve out a certain section of the market? For example, those that uh, are involved in commercial real estate, uh, whether it's office space, which has been less impacted, but impacted, uh, or retail, which has been dramatically impacted. We know so many uh, retailers are not paying their rent. Unclear what happens to all of that space, Jim. You have to you go know, In the brands, same way David. that you have to sort of, yeah, you have you to go, go brands. Lulu, you go Nike, you go to the brands that could survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are winners. Uh, the, me- the mid-tier to low-tier brands will fail. Uh, because this is a Darwinian economy like you wouldn't believe. Whoever could survive this closing is now in a fabulous situation. And it's just, I, I think that there must be a gas, the people in small business, just a gas, the pizza guy, the haircut guy. But we don't trade, we don't trade hair salons, David. We just don't. We no. don't trade gymnasiums no, but- except for Planet Fitness, which no. turned out to have a lot of firepower. I know, but we do trade to a certain extent consumer demand or consumer spending, given how much our economy relies on that, Jim. And, you know, we are still talking about a caseload that hasn't really gone down. We're still at 20 plus thousand a day new cases. We know a number of states that are seeing a surge in new cases, hospitalizations even moving up as well. Thankfully, death rate seems to be moving down. 
back to our earlier conversation about how the virus, uh, the uh, uh, COVID is being treated now. But, you know, there's a certain cohort of the population that is still not going to feel comfortable going out. And it's not an insignificant amount of people. No. Uh, What about that and the overall impact on consumer spending? Doesn't that eventually creep into into the market? Yes, I think that that's Amazon. They'll shop at Amazon. Uh, But maybe they have stocks. Maybe they own Eli Lilly, David, which had a, a discovery of a drug that reduced the risk of cancer returning in people with high-risk breast cancer. Stock's up 14. Maybe they own, maybe this was part of a big, a big wealth effect that Ben Bernanke realized could help. Uh, so there's, there are uh, positive forces, but yes, uh, you're at risk if people, there are people who are at risk and it's dangerous for them to go out. Uh, I, I know people are going to be talking about this new steroid drug, and I don't want to be too critical of the doctors. It is a novel disease. And, David, we were baffled by a novel disease. But in the interim, the big companies that, could, that had good balance sheets uh, could stay. And a lot of the other guys were never public and will never know what could have happened to the, to the two restaurant chain who uh, didn't have the money to be able to pay rent and laid off their waiters and waitresses. Will they all work at Yum? I yeah. don't know. Yum will have half the tables. It's a very tough situation because um, the stocks do not represent what we're talking about. They don't represent the pain. They just right. don't. The, um, uh, by the way, the COVID stocks that I, you know, the Kramer COVID index, they're getting yes. clobbered because yes. of this uh, new drug that's actually an old drug. Keep that in mind. Right, right. Yesterday, the trade early on, at least, was those involving some of those stay at home kind of stocks, Netflix, Peloton. Jim, one stock that is down today is uh, is T-Mobile, um, the uh, the wireless carrier. Of course, yesterday, uh, uh, a nationwide outage in, in part, well, at least in parts of the country for a certain amount of time. That's gotten the attention of the FCC. But what I want to tell you about this morning is the likelihood of a large sale of T-Mobile stock. Now, this is something that we've talked about in the past. Right number of weeks ago. In fact, I think May 19th is when I reported on what would be a very large secondary coming from SoftBank, which owns some 300 plus million shares of T-Mobile. Uh, and I can update you now a bit on that. Yesterday, we got a 13D filing from SoftBank indicating things were moving along in terms of their plan to sell stock. And the color that I can tell you about right now is that Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley have been making calls, in addition to other potential underwriters for this enormous uh, offering, to those who already inquired previously, trying to sort of get a sense for the book here in terms of what it would look like. There is not going to be an offering this week, but people familiar with the situation tell me that they do expect that early next week this will hit the market. That is that huge secondary offering of stock of T-Mobile by SoftBank. Now, uh, I previously reported it could be as much as 20 billion or close to it. I'm now being told it could be up to two thirds of SoftBank's position that would hit the market. That's a large amount of stock. That's why T-Mobile is weak. I don't think it is as much on the outage as it is on the uh, expectation of additional supply coming into the marketplace. We'll see how it's dealt with, uh, Jim. Now, previously, the journal had reported that Deutsche Telekom would be stepping up for some portion of that. But that's not as clear to me that that's going to be the case in terms of them actually writing a check. They do want to maintain their voting control. They do have certain voting rights agreements with some of the SoftBank shares. They will continue to make sure they have a path to voting control. But it doesn't mean they're going to take their checkbook out here and buy a certain percentage of the shares that are sold by SoftBank. 
So again, we're going to be getting ready for that gym next week. Maybe it'll go as well as the PNC sale of the BlackRock, you know, the sale by PNC of BlackRock shares. Again, an enormous secondary there. What, but it's one we've been waiting for, Jim. You yeah. made a fortune. And, you know, don't forget, since we first started reporting on this as a possibility uh, back in May 19th, T-Mobile stock price has done quite well. So right. uh, it's just backing off a bit here. I think for Generon, that was an unbelievable with the Sanofi sale. That was an amazing mm-hmm. deal. You made 100 points. The uh, BlackRock deal was fantastic. I bet this one, if I were a hedge fund manager, I would put in right now. I say I want some T-Mobile. It's doing incredibly well. So, I mean, I think that that's uh, just a great idea. And I'm glad you brought it to people's attention because if you act, you know, it's kind of like act now and you end up getting a, a, a real good slug of that. And that company is doing quite well. I think that's a great idea in a market that I think is up a little too far right now. It would be great to have a little merchandise that is in the hole, so to speak. Yeah. And don't forget, of course, very important for SoftBank monetizing, uh, uh, as as I've said, as much as two thirds of that stake there, Jim, going to be important for them as they sort of try to battle through uh, the difficulty with some of their investments at that company. Of course, the Vision Fund we've talked about so often, large owners of Uber and DoorDash and Didi and and WeWork as well, of course. David, the DoorDash, uh, 15 billion. It actually should be worth less yeah. with that acquisition by of Grubhub, not more. That was one yeah. of those deals where the same people bid it up. It kind of reminded me of some of the things that were happening pre-WeWork, uh, where each round is a little bit higher, except for this last round should have been lower. There was no reason it should have been lower. The yeah, situation I, is as good. In speak, the the in, restaurants, many I restaurants know. have gone under, and those were great customers. Yeah. I, listen, and we talked to Maloney last week, right, from Grubhub. It certainly appeared to me that price competition is going to increase, not decrease in the U.S. market. Exactly. So that should have been a down round. But you know how it is when things get frothy. They do up rounds. We saw this. What, what was we work worth after the up round, up round, up round, up round? Yeah. It's like $40 billion. Yeah. But it's not, it turned out to be never really I know. worth it. I mean, I, I don't know. Does Powell Capital Management, does, does uh, the firm of Powell Capital Management uh, get involved in IPOs soon, too? Or, or are they going to just stick to corporate bonds? Well, it's up to, I think Powell uses, uh, what, BlackRock as their broker? <laughs> you know, David, yes. people don't know that we're referring to Jay Powell, the Fed chief. Because yes. people think that you we and are. I have we're... this like thing. But remember, the market is up no, a lot. No. Can we please, if you haven't bought anything today, I would suggest that David Day Trade may tell you not to buy. You know, David, remember, he Warren Buffett, not top of his game. I don't think Davey's buying it here. I haven't checked. Oh, your buddy David Portnoy is who yes. you're talking about now from Barstool Sports. Well, just want yeah. to make sure. I mean, Goldman Sachs. I'm voting for him for uh, in, in Del- I. Uh, I, I, he's a, my top I, I guy, strategist. <laughs> my own, my first employer in journalism. Mm-hmm. All right, Jim, you know, companies that have recently gone public have had some strong starts on Wall Street. Here's a look at AZEK. It's now up about 30%. It's a great company. Since its debut, that's on Friday. Is it? AZEK? Oh, yeah. my God, okay. David, it's decking and you can use it, in a, you know, instead of wood, and you would never know it's fantastic. Jesse Singh. I got a power washer recently. To I, I do love with my their decking. stuff. All right. Yeah, just Today, up. it's Royalty Pharma, Jim. Royalty Pharma, of course, we mentioned it earlier. Going public. We're going to talk to the CEO. There he is right after this break. Stay with us. 
Well, we got an exciting one for you. Royalty Pharma is making its public debut today and will be this year's largest IPO to date. Second largest pharma IPO on record. It's somehow been hidden. I don't know how that's the case. I'm fortunate enough to be friends with Bill Ford who's on the board, so I know about this. But let's bring in CEO founder Pablo Legoreta. Sir, uh, Pablo, your business, you are, this is an immensely profitable company, and it's going to start out paying a good dividend and has great growth prospects. It's great to be here with you today. It's, uh, as you might imagine, an incredibly exciting day for me and for the Royalty Pharma team after 25 years of really hard work. You have a piece of the action of many of the great historic drugs profitable drugs of our time. Can you explain to people how you were able to get such great pieces of such incredibly profitable drugs that people know as profitable, but don't know that you have a stake in them? Thank you, of course. So look, I think we're living in the golden age of biotechnology and the golden age of medical research, academic research, hospital research. And we work on a very collaborative basis with all of the innovators in the life sciences R&D ecosystem to accelerate discovery and bring medicines to patients. And you were uh, right in saying that these are some of the most profitable drugs, large drugs in the industry. But I think, Jim, the most important thing is that these drugs really, what they do is they bring incredible treatments and cures for patients. And that's why they're big and important. And the way we we acquire these royalties is we go to the innovators, to the universities, which discover these things, these drugs and products. And we actually, um, you know, work with them and acquire the royalty, giving them an upfront payment so that the universities and hospitals can plow that money back into more research and discovery and, you know, really accomplish their mission. I know that you've had uh, some things that go wrong. It's not totally a sure thing. Uh, Ibrance didn't work that much, but you got him. Unfortunately, I'm on like half your drugs here. You have Imgality from Lilly, which is uh, migraine and fabulous. You have Nurtec, Biohaven. I think that may be the big drug of this year. How did you spot the migraine franchise, which is just incredible? So, Jim, um, I was talking at the, uh, about how we get involved with academic institutions. You know, when they discover things, we come, acquire royalties. We did a great deal in New York City with Memorial Sloan Kettering years ago. And, you know, one interesting anecdote is that the money that they got from us went to fund the biggest research center in New York City, a huge building in the Upper East Side. But to specifically answer your question about this other investments that we have, uh, once Royalty Pharma got big and diversified, we could take more risk. And what we started to do is to fund research and the uh, products in the hands of the biotech companies, this incredibly nimble entrepreneurial companies that have gotten funded by venture capital firms and, you know, use that money to fund the early stage of the trials, <laughs> phase one, phase two. When the, these drugs get to phase three, a lot more capital is required. And at that moment, we come in, you were talking about uh, Neurotech, this incredibly exciting migraine drug developed by a company uh, in New Haven called Biohaven. So we did a deal with them a few years ago where we actually provided capital to them uh, so that they could complete the clinical trials and launch the drug. The drug was approved. We took the risk. Now we're fortunate that the drug was approved. It's being launched now and it's a, a totally new way of treating migraine, which did not exist before. It really goes to the core of the disease. And that's why it's going to be a life changing drug to migraine sufferers. 
Mr. Legaret, it's David Faber. Um, as you point out, and Jim has, you, your company's been around a long time. You're an innovator in this field. But there are others who've seen the opportunity for profit. Uh, Blackstone, TPG are coming in with competitors. Is that um, something that concerns you or conceivably at least will uh, act as as a break on your ability to generate significant uh, returns from some of these investments? Uh, David, good to hear you and nice speaking to you. I do not think it will act as a break. And let me tell you why. Um, the R&D ecosystem is so big worldwide that so much capital is needed to fund drugs that um, there's room for many participants. And I'll give you a sense of how big this is uh, with some statistics. There's $300 billion invested per year in medical research worldwide, $100 billion by universities, governments like NIH, Max Planck, and $200 billion by companies worldwide, biotech and big pharma. Many other industries invest in R&D in the scale of tens of billions. Life sciences is hundreds of billions. So we are part of this, and the opportunity is so big that there's uh, room for many. But I would tell you that we have many advantages versus the competition. Our scale is, is a really important advantage. You know, we're five to 10 times bigger than any competitor, our cost of capital. And now going public, David, is gonna put us in a completely different category, having access to the public markets, the deepest pools of capital in the world, and also potentially a currency that we could use in acquisitions. Sure, so, uh, all of that makes sense to me. I would think, uh, Mr. Legareta, that Drug pricing has to continue, has to be a concern. And I wonder, as we head into an election year, with the possibility, of course, that you could uh, see a Democrat in the presidential uh, uh, position, not to mention even a, a Senate, is drug pricing on your radar as a real concern and a risk factor here from either party, but as we move into, obviously, the heat of the presidential election? Drug pricing is, is naturally a really, really important topic for us, something that we pay a lot of attention when we're selecting what to invest in. And what I would tell you is that generally the investments we make are in drugs that are transforming a disease where there was no treatments before, and now patients have something that will really help them. So as a result of that, the performance of our business is generally not driven by price. It's driven by volume. When you can you know, treat uh, very serious diseases like multiple sclerosis, we have interest in two of the most significant drugs for multiple sclerosis. We were talking about migraine. Um, these drugs launch and become multi-billion dollar drugs because of the need that exists for them. And yes, pricing is an issue. We're very conservative now. I will note that we have nothing to do with pricing. That's in the hands of the marketers of the drugs. So it's a topic that you know, we, we, we collect a royalty from our partners but we have nothing to do with pricing. All right, Papa, one last and unfortunately quick question. Uh, a drug like Lyrico goes off patent. You're making a fortune, suddenly not making that much. How do you handle that for your earnings stream? So we have to be very uh, nimble and always continue to find the most attractive uh, drugs that are going to be launched, the, the most attractive medicines. And we actually then replenish the portfolio by constantly adding new assets that will re replace the ones that are expiring, new, new medicines. And, and we've done that very successfully. We have today 22 blockbusters in our portfolio, uh, very unusual. Many companies, big companies have an average of seven. We have three times as many. 
And uh, we've been successful over decades in replacing these drugs. We had 10 blockbusters about 10 years ago. So it is obviously something that is critical for our business to continue to find the most attractive therapies that are going to address the most important uh, medical needs of patients. Well, I want to thank you, Pablo Legoretto. And of course, congratulations. Uh, Royalty Pharma seems like a terrific investment. Great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. And uh, David, we're going to take a break. Fed Chairman Jay Powell will be testifying in front of the Senate Banking Committee. That starts at around 10.15 Eastern. And as you might imagine, we will be covering every word. Stay with us on Squawk on the Street. Jim, what do you got coming up on MAD tonight? A once great growth stock, Canopy Growth. And of course, McDonald's a great growth stock. And I think it's going to be a fun show. I'm sure it will be. Uh, yeah, Canopy Growth. Canopy Growth. I mean, you followed it very closely, yeah. uh, the ups and the downs. They spent yeah. a fortune for nothing and got nothing. But, David, it's a new world. Look at all the green. <laughs> Do you really need us, David? They spent a fortune. It's bye, 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 David. No. The, the, the roulette wheel pays off for black and red right now. Yes, we are, we are superfluous. Relic. I, I feel that way more and more anyway. Just Triceratops. I told you I'm a steak. I know, but at least we got each other. We always got that. Talk to you later. We gotta go. All right. There he is. I'll talk to you later, too. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. 